0: on, Ramley? What's up, Los Angeles? Welcome to the Rams Skinny, hosted by myself, Ryan Derrick, and of course, the unflappable Ryan Skinny T. Anderson, talking all things Rams here. Tough loss to the Niners, but hey, we've got some good things to take out of it. We're going to get all into it and give you guys our take on the Rams Skinny. What's up, Skinny T? How we doing?
1: I'm doing great. I mean, if the Rams fans can't get excited about anything in a loss... He got Puka Nakua setting records. He's on pace to shatter records if he keeps going like this. I'm not saying he's going to, but he's on pace too. He's going to break Cooper Cup's record. He could break all of the re- receptions and yards. So, you know, uh, yeah, that's something
0: to take home, isn't it, Rams fans? Nuts, man. It's, it's honestly nuts what he's doing. And, um, you know, you and I, I'm pretty sure, I know I was, I'm pretty sure you were too, but when we did our live, kind of draft show during the draft. And I was, I was pretty actually excited about this draft pick because I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I, I'm not one. I want to sit here and pat myself on the back, but I'm pretty sure I said, he reminds me a little bit of Cooper cup because of what he's able to do in terms of, uh, you know, he's able to carry the ball in the backfield. If you want to do some jet sweeps with him he's got the same body type. He's not the fastest, not the most athletic looking, but he's a guy that's just going to be uh, productive and, there basically has been no one in the NFL, almost outside of Justin Jefferson, that's been more productive than Puka Nakua through two weeks. So, uh, pretty impressive stuff what this young man is doing. I
1: do, re- I do remember you having that take, and my take was who? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think most people uh, were in my camp when that happened. But uh, everybody knows his name now. Everybody's picking him up on their fantasy teams. I, I logged my very first fantasy football win of my career which is exactly two games long in fantasy football. Yes, folks, I've I've only played two games of fantasy football in my life, but I got my first victory. I'm one and one. So uh,
0: Puka Nicole's not on my old. team,
1: but I'm, I'm proud of myself.
0: <laughs> 40 years old and you're finally on the fantasy <laughs> train. Is Puka – I have – I'm in three leagues. I can't remember if it's our league that I got Puka, that I got him on the waiver wire or, or another one. But I, ha- I definitely have Puka in one league. He's like projected now to get like 15 points a game, which is wild, so, you know. Fifth, sixth round pick. Nobody knew who he was, and now he's projected like a top five fantasy receiver, which is wild. It's incredibly wild.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and it, it's great. You know, if if you think about it, you got Cooper Cup on this team, third round pick, and you got Puka Nakua on this team, who could, I mean, in theory, just go off this season as as maybe one of the best uh, wide receiver tandems. When when and if. Uh Cooper Cup back comes back healthy.
0: Yeah, is- yeah. That's the exciting thing. It's like Cooper Cup coming back eventually. Cooper mm-hmm. Cup will be back, and all of a sudden this receiving I mean, we may see we're gonna get to the game here in a second, but we may see Van Jefferson not like getting reps anymore because he's been kind of a disappearing act. I think part of that, and I'd love to get your take, but part of it is he's almost kind of been used as a decoy in a way that's freed stuff up for, for Puka and Tutu. But once Cup's back, I mean, you're going to play Cup Tutu and Puka Nakua, and Van Jefferson might be the odd man out, which is wild to think about.
1: Yeah, you know, my take at that at that draft party that you, I guess it was just you and I. I don't know how much of a party that is, but hey, it's <laughs> a party, yeah. baby. <laughs> We're two or more; they're gathered, as they say. That's um, right. uh, you know. My first thought was this is a succession plan for Van Jefferson, Van Jefferson on the final deer deal of his uh, rookie deal heading into his next year in in 2024. Once the season starts, he's going to be 28 years old. So uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves talking about uh, 2024 already, but it's working. Like, it seems like that's what it's working out to be.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, I think Van at this point for sure this year has a place, but yeah, once Cooper comes back, you know, if he's only getting, two three targets a game it's hard to see him having a a very viable role but we'll get to that point we get there let's talk a little bit about this game rams unfortunately fall Mm -hmm. short yet again of the niners 30 to 23 um we're gonna get all into you know the numbers what we liked what we didn't like all that good stuff uh but just off the top skinny i'd love to hear just your overall just overarching thoughts of the game and i'll start you know They say all the time, there's no moral victories. You know, you play to win the game, yada yada. And it's been probably talked about at nauseam. Already here we are on Tuesday, so I'm sure a lot of other podcasters, a lot of other media has talked about it. But to me, this was a moral victory. And you know, people can hate on all they want. Niners fans can laugh about it all they want. Um, Rams have the one meaningful victory in the playoffs. I know that's that's what Rams fans always come back with, which is true and great. But coming in this year with so much unknown, so much youth, so much. Um, inconsistencies at certain positions, this to me, not because they only lost by seven, but the way they played this game overall, there was definitely some things I didn't like that we're going to get into. But overall, they were able to actually go for punch for punch with the Niners in what I felt like was the first time, really even ever, even the game they won in the playoffs, like there was some moments there where it was the oh man, here we go again, where the Niners were just gashing them on certain things and the offense could do nothing, and then they had some big plays come through, obviously, in some big-time moments from their best players that got the victory. But this is the one game that outside of like a drive or two, I feel like the defense was was played really well and controlling, didn't fully stop the Niners, but controlling them. And the offense overall moved the ball pretty well. I mean, you take away those two interceptions, which obviously everyone wants, you know, they say um, almost only matters in – what atom bombs and hand grenades or something or hand
1: grenades. That's the one I know. There we go.
0: There you go. Um, So you can, uh, you know, that's part of it, but ball bounces off Kyron Williams hands. That takes at least three points off the board because they were in the red zone almost. And then the other one, it looked like the receiver broke on his route wrong or whatever, when that, now that second interception. So you take those out. I mean, the Rams could have had a shot to win this game. So long winded answer, but I just feel like I felt really good about the way the Rams played against this, seemingly top three roster in the entire NFL. And uh, there's just a lot of good things about this team moving forward. What was your overall thoughts?
1: What makes you feel good is it looked like this team is continuing to um, uh, be physical and bullying, bullying other teams on both sides of the ball. Really? Um, you saw, uh, uh, that running game really take off. You saw the phys- uh, the physicality um, of Steve a- Avila uh, on the offensive line and the whole offensive line uh, as a whole played really well in the first couple of quarters at, at the very least. Um, and you saw McVeigh uh, just taking a methodical approach. Uh, and I'll caveat this by saying in the first half, uh, by just marching the ball down the field, ball control, just punching, the, just punching the Niners in the mouth over and over again, keeping that uh, pretty form- formidable defense uh, in check, keeping them honest, making them respect the run, um, which opens up space in the passing game. Uh, that's and that's not only is it something that we haven't seen from the Rams in. 49ers games in the past but that's how the 49ers have beat the rams over and over and over again mm-hmm. not a lot of big explosive plays uh you know they'll they'll break something here or there but really what the 49ers have always done is just paper cuts and paper cuts and you know it's like the big brother taking your hand and just hitting you in the face i'm stop hitting yourself stop hitting yourself kind of a thing <laughs> yeah. and they, you know they just they would just march down the field that way and that's what the Rams were doing for a good chunk of this game so that's yeah that, I think that what the Rams fans should feel good about is that it is uh, a departure from what they had done in the past and and kept them in the game kept them tied and you know I was looking at power rankings this morning athletic has, the uh, Rams at number nine <laughs> I think They had them at, at 26 uh, to begin the season. So uh, they, uh, this Rams team is gaining respect uh, from uh, media across, across the country. And they should be because they're doing some really interesting things on offense and they're, and they're doing it with physicality as well. And as we were talking about with Puka Nakua, like, He's showing that he is that physical style of receiver that they used to have in in Robert woods yeah they still have i mean cooper cup still still is a blocker um but that that's what uh that's what mcVeigh has always liked is a, a a blocking wide
0: receiver yeah absolutely you know well said and just to to put some numbers to kind of what you're alluding to in the the offense being able to kind of give those death by a thousand paper cuts and move down the field. Like, you know, the, the numbers tell you the Rams actually probably should have won this game if not for the turnover differential. I mean they had they had 20 uh 23 more yards. So 386 to 365. Um they had seven more first downs. They were much more efficient on third down, seven out of fourteen where the Niners were two out of nine. Um they had twenty four more plays than the Niners, 78 to 54 they only allowed one sack and they only punted twice in this whole game. So you look at those numbers, I mean, it was a very well-coached, well-game-planned, well-executed game. In reality, it comes down to probably those two interceptions. And that's why it's a seven-point loss instead of potentially a three or seven-point win. So, you know, it's unfortunate because I think that one slipped away and that's what we'll get to now, maybe some of the negatives um, or maybe just one big negative as to why it slipped away outside of the interceptions. But from a from a standpoint of looking at the good things, the efficiency, the the play calling, the execution wise, I mean this was a very well played game for the Rams. They honestly the more I look at it, they probably should have won. And it's unfortunate they didn't, but at least we can take all those goods and, and progress forward and, you know, you know, they'll get another crack at it to maybe end this streak up uh up in uh Santa Clara. So pretty impressive though. I mean did you I don't even didn't really fully look at those numbers. So right now, they basically beat the Niners in almost every single statistical category.
1: Yeah, no, it, and it it felt that way. And I, I think that this game played out. What's what shocked people about this game is the Niners came into the season with such high expectations, favorites to win the Super Bowl, odds on, you know, pick, picked by a lot of people to go to the Super Bowl for good reason, great roster, um, and this this. Rams team came in with such low expectations, no expectations. Um, mm-hmm. Some people thinking that they were just they were going to fall off the face of the earth. And coming out of this game, I'm thinking if if they win nine ten games, Sean McVay should be uh, coach of the year. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So just just the 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 flipping of the script is what. People are shocked by at this point um, that uh, a team that has such low, low, expect- low expectations can come in and um, go toe to toe with a team uh, like the 49ers for most of the game. And that's exactly what they did. Um, you, know, I, you know, we were talking about some of the negatives. I, you know, one of the things that I liked about Sean McVeigh's effort. Um, against Seattle is he stuck with the run and it's a different game because they were leading at different points. And so the, 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 the strategy is a bit different, but going into halftime, this one was tied and, you know, I, we were talking a little bit pre-show, but they, uh, the Rams were running the ball very efficiently in that first half. Mm -hmm. Kyron Williams ran the ball 10 times in the first half. He finished the game with 14 carries. So, you know, uh, I'm no math expert, but that's four carries in in the second half. And and those weren't – there was obviously no respect paid to those carries uh, because he didn't end up uh, making much uh, – picking up any big gains really necessarily with those carries. Um, And one of the things that changed from first half to second half is that – the 49ers started blitzing more because they weren't getting the pressure that they wanted to see. So they started sending uh, one or two more guys and that's the time that that running game can be really effective um, if you stick with it. So, uh, you know, McVeigh kind of went back to his, his, his playbook instead of incorporating uh, LaFleur's playbook. Um, And I think that, I think that that's something that I, Uh, I hate to say it, but that's one of the things that slowed them down is he wanted to come out in in that second half and just uh, blow the doors off the thing instead of just keep doing the methodical three yards, four-yard carry, pounding it, you know. And and I think we saw it, 55 throws from Stafford. Uh, You're kind of forcing it at that point,
0: you know. Exactly. And, you know, we said on the pre-show that – you know, I thought if they ran the ball 30 times, they'd have a real good shot to actually compete and win this game. They ran it 21 times. 25 if you include uh, Stafford's four scrambles that he had, but I never include those. So 21 rushes to 55 passes, and you're tied at halftime. You're seemingly in the game the entire time, you know, within one score until the final, like, 12 minutes when when the Niners went up by two scores. And so, yeah, that was the one thing that was like, oh, man, here we go again, back to those old tendencies of, uh, I don't want to say panicking, but just, you know, becoming just so one dimensional that the defense knows what's coming. And, and I mean, Stafford, again, there's two picks I wouldn't put totally on Stafford by any means, but the defense, you know, when you know you're dropping back every single time, it, it allows that vaunted pass rush to. To really, you know, pin their ears back and go. Now, the offensive line and and Kyron Williams has proven to be a tremendous pass blocker as a running back, did their job still. I mean, only one sack still, but Matthew Stafford was definitely more rushed in that second half and had to make decisions quicker. And, you know, you know, obviously the the efficiency in the passing game in terms of completions versus incompletions, I think went up a little bit. And and so you the way you alleviate that is yeah, running the football and so that was, that was my one big negative is like, man, if they could have just stuck to the run nine more rushes would have put them at 30, which is that sweet spot. I always say get the 30 rushes and this team can beat anyone.
1: Yeah. And I think I, what I think it is about McVay is he knows what an explosive play can do and he knows his offense is capable of it. Um, but it's a matter of being patient and picking those spots correctly. And I just, I, I think that's what was lacking in the second half. I think that those, inter, those interceptions uh you know there there's miscues across the board and you know people are kind of parsing was it Stafford's fault was it Van Jefferson's fault was it Kyron's fault and this is a team sport interception yeah. is an interception it's what cost them uh, a w and it, you know there's no moral victories but what would have been huge for this fan base and for this team is if they sent the the no ers back to the Bay Area packing uh with a with a big, big L on them, you know, (laughs) that would have been the real moral victory. Uh, so yeah. An actual victory. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I won. I think it, you know, you know, this team, everybody keeps talking about the good vibes around it and it's just like, I'm I'm, listen, I'm a 40 year old man. I'm yelling at kids to get off my lawn. Uh, I, I ain't got, I ain't got time for talk about vibes. Um, you know, you know these these kids are half my age. You know I could be their father. You know whatever, but um, you know it's I think that you know McVeigh will shoot himself in the foot, um, and he's done it over and over again. And I think that one of the things that will help him is having that tandem, because in that in that NFC Championship game where they came out with a victory, there were two hundred yard receivers, Odell Beckham and Cooper Cut, mm-hmm. and that kind of. That little bit of diversity in that, rather than just peppering Cooper Cup over it, over and over again, that's what allows you to get that three to seven point edge over over a, a divisional rival, rival as good as the 49ers.
0: Going just sticking with the run game for a second. And we'll get to Cam Akers before we wrap the show up, who obviously probably will no longer be a Ram. Uh, potentially might be gone before this show is even published. Uh, but d- definitely doesn't seem like he'll ever play again in a Rams uniform, whether he's traded this week or not. So we'll get to that in a minute. But does it surprise you that no other running back even ran the ball? Kyron Williams had 14 carries, and then Ben Skaronic and Tutu Atwell each had one, and Puka Nakua had two. Does it surprise you that Ronnie Rivers, obviously Zach Evans was, was out uh, as a scratches as, or as a um injured, injured scratch, but you had Ronnie Rivers and, and uh, Freeman Royce Freeman on the roster. Does it surprise you that none of them even got a carry,
1: you know, Kyron Williams didn't get the call that he was going to be the lead back until Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think his effort in this game was, was phenomenal even with such short notice. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know what that, I don't know what that looks like on like a, you know, are you flipping through the playbook, like learning things at the last minute? I don't know. Hopefully, he's prepared uh, better than I would be. But and that's um, why they,
0: that's why the saying goes: if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. So he obviously yeah. has been staying ready. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. So, I, I in a way, I'm not
1: exactly surprised by that, uh, just because the the everything shifted just so quickly, um, and it seemed from just kind of reading the tea leaves and reading in between the lines and trying to parse out what is coach speak and just, you know, what's, you know, you know, how this all kind of unfolded over just a a few hours is it seems like this is a McVeigh decision. Um, I think this is coming directly from, from him. So, you know, in that, in that way, I, I'm not terribly surprised that we didn't see all those running backs playing. What do you think?
0: Yeah. You know, I'm not terribly surprised. I thought, it, you know, Ronnie or Ronnie rivers. I didn't even say Ronnie rivers, who is actually technically the, um, or did I say Ronnie rivers? I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, Ronnie yeah. Rivers, yeah. Okay, uh, was the technically RB two going into this game. And he did get some playing time, got a reception as well. Just no carries. So I, I'm a little surprised at least, you know, I'm not saying give him the lion's share, but you know, if we run the ball a few more times, you got Kyron 14, maybe get some lather on Ronnie for two or three, like, you know, just to give some different looks to that defensive front, I think.
1: Well, it, it, it's one of those mysteries about McVeigh. Like, what is, what is his running, what is his, what is his personality when it comes to the running game? Is it the guy last year where he said, I feel like I'm wasting plays? I know I, I, I've used that quote in several articles, and I've, I think back-to-back weeks now. <laughs> but it's just a shocking thing to say <laughs> as a as an offensive, you know, play caller. Mm-hmm. All the nerds are going to tell you that th- throwing the ball is uh, a more efficient way to move the ball down the field. But you've got this other aspect that other teams are using uh, to s- great success. I mean, the mm-hmm. Jets—the only success that the Jets are having at this point is through the running game. Brees Hall yeah. is is a beast. And obviously the Rams don't have Brees Hall on their uh, roster, but uh, you know, you know, you just looking at McVeigh and how he's creatively used the running game. You know, you like, if you're in this situation, like go to Skoranek and say, Hey man, remember when you played fullback last year?
0: Well, get ready. Hey, <laughs> <Stay laughs> ready for <are> you. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, go ahead. Let's hear it for Kyron for a second because uh, I've been so impressed by his play. When he was drafted last year, we were both very excited, super bummed he got hurt in OTAs, but thought that this is a guy that could become the Belco back, a Golden Domer, your Notre Dame alum there. Um, and, you know, becomes, I can't remember the exact stat, but one of the first second-year players with back-to-back games with multiple touchdowns or some, some crazy thing like that. And, you know, I, I love how involved he's been again I, I would love to see him get even more carries but I loved how involved he's been in the run game but also the pass game like it's almost like similar to Todd Gurley-esque and I don't want to jump to that too quickly because Todd Gurley obviously was great when here but we haven't seen a back since Todd Gurley in the system that's been utilized at that frequency in both the run and the past you know they've flirted with it but Daryl Henderson was never really that guy. Cam Akers obviously hasn't been that guy. Um, Sony Michelle wasn't that guy in the passing game. C.J. Anderson wasn't that guy in the passing game. So this is the first time we've seen a running back finally get utilized in the passing game. You know, I think he had six receptions. Kyron Williams did. So love seeing that. Did you see his quote that he gave yesterday, or at least that the, the, everyone was talking about yesterday? I think I retweeted it. You may I don't have. Remember
1: I'll just read it, exactly. just read it, it
0: for everyone because I pulled it up. Uh, so from Kyron Williams, he says, I'm in there to pass protect, to catch the ball, and run the ball, and do whatever head coach Sean McVay asked me to do. This is why I love the game of football. I love the game of being a running back and all the involvement I have in the offense. That is why Cam Akers is on his way out. I don't know if he – I'm not saying he wouldn't do that, but when you have someone like Kyron that wants to just be involved whatever the head coach wants, that's a guy the head coach is going to like.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think that's why – the decision to move on from Kyron or from uh, Cam Akers was a, Mc, a sole McVeigh um, uh, uh, a decision was that there are a few things that from what I know of McVeigh anyway, that bug him. Um, and I think that uh, Laura Oakham, Oakman um, said it best when she got the quote from um, Les Snead, which was, it was really about Cam Akers um, not doing what the coaches asked of him and lacking accountability. And that's a paraphrase the quotes out there. Um, but I mean, I can just imagine those two things just rubbing uh, Sean McVeigh the wrong way. And we've seen them have problems in the past and, and they say it's unrelated, but I mean, is it, I don't know if I believe that. And, and I think that, Kyron, you know, saying that, you know, and and through his actions on the field is proving that he's willing to do those things, um, that it seems like maybe that those are the exact, I'm I'm guessing that those are the exact things that Kyron William, or Cam Akers was having uh, quarrels with Sean McVeigh about. Yeah, and and we'll... And I think about I think about uh, Terrell Burgess actually oddly in this situation because he was he was drafted uh, in the Staley system and then Staley left and Raheem Morris and several coaching changes and 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 all that happened and then he ended up not being the right fit for um, the Rams defense although you and I both agree that he was a good defensive back for this team um, mm-hmm. you know he was you know uh, Cam was drafted regimes ago it seems like ages ago that he joined this team, you know, it, it, hasn't been that long. He's still on his rookie contract. So it's only yeah. been a couple of years, but I mean, Kevin
0: O'Connell was the offensive coordinator guy. That was so <laughs> long ago. Yeah. And
1: he's, uh, he, and he's, uh, he's about to get fired. So yeah, <laughs> he's on a whole other, uh, he's on a whole other trip right now. Yeah. So it's um, yeah. Maybe it, Cam goes to Minnesota. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so it, 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 it could even come down just it's a just a schematic difference you know that the 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 coaching staff has shifted so much guys keep getting hired off of this the staff and everything's different and that could that, Joe...
0: sorry go finish go ahead. well and maybe,
1: maybe mcveigh was never you know full on the the cam anchors boat they drafted him high in terms of like what the Rams draft capital has been over the last year, few years, but Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, maybe he was just never that high on him and he was, he was an O'Connell guy or whatever.
0: Yeah. I'm so curious. And remember Thomas Brown, also not there anymore, former running back coach. So that's probably the biggest voice in the room. That's that's not on his corner now, I'm guessing. And Um, and he,
1: and he's proving to be a fantastic coach. I mean, he's he's moved up very quickly.
0: Thomas Brown's great. Um, Where's he at now again? I'm drawing a blank. So, Carolina or Arizona? <laughs> yes, I think it. I feel like it is Carolina. We'll figure it out. But, no. or you look it up, or I'll look no. it up after. But, um what I'm curious though, Skinny, is, and this feels like a situation of like a dating situation, which I'll, I'll give the analogy here in a second. But uh, we know it's been reported about a lot, talked about the the issues last season and why Cam Akers, you know, missed. Many games is just a healthy scratch and there was an issue. And then it seemed like they tried to mend it over the off season comes into camp. He looks bigger, stronger coaches are all saying good things. He's saying the right things. Seems like he's going to be the guy again. Week one, Kyron Williams gets touchdowns, but Cam Akers had 21 carries. I mean, he, he had the lion's share in the backfield in week one, just not even 10 days ago, basically. And now all of a sudden the following week after having 21 carries, is a healthy scratch, is told on Friday, according to McVeigh, that they're going to move in a different direction and, and go with Kyron and them, and they're going to move him to another team or, or maybe even release him at some point. So I'm just so curious if something happened after that game or if it was one of those relationship situations where you know, you've know you been dating someone, you feel like it's, it's over, but you want to give it one last shot. You're like, you know what, there, there could be something here. I don't want to ruin it. You give it that last go, that last date, and it just, it just falls flat. And at the end of the date, you're like, look, we gave it a go, gave it the old college try, as they say, but it's time to part ways. I wonder if Sean McVay gave it the old, the last date with Cam Akers against Seattle gave him a ball as many times as possible. And then just said, you know what, I'm, I'm still going to stick with my gut and move forward. Or if something actually happened after the game during the week, I'm, I'm that's what I'm curious about.
1: It's so funny you say that. Cause I was actually thinking that, on, you know, I was driving home. A little bit earlier, and I was thinking exactly kind of like what what dating metaphor could it be, and I was kind of going down that similar yeah. road, but then you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking maybe Ky- Kyron Williams is just that girl that's just uh a, you know a little bit more well suited uh, for what you're looking for
0: <laughs> and <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, and then you're like, bye <laughs> we had we had we had some times, but
0: uh <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I'm on to the next. We're
1: I think I next. found wifey. <laughs> yes. So
0: anyway, we don't, we don't to touch too much on that, but Cam Akers will not be a Ram anymore per Sean McVay, per Les Snead. Absolutely. They're shopping. There's, there's been teams that have been, been interested. Um, so let me ask you this last question. What do you think they can net for him? Like, is it a seventh? Is it nothing? Can they get as high as a fifth? I mean, what do you think?
1: Um, six or seventh, I think, is the highest – he's going to go um, yeah. just because he's had such a, he's only had flashes since he's returned from his Achilles injury. Um, you know, last week, I think he had like something like 2.9 yards per carry. So I don't think, I think they're, I think, you know, McVay's poker face is not great. Like, and this is obviously like not a high leverage situation. So they might find like a, a friendly trading partner in Minnesota or in Seattle or, you know, like some, you know, somebody that maybe not Seattle cause they're in division, but, yeah. um, you know, somebody that McVay knows who will flip them something for this asset. So
0: yeah. I, um, yeah, I think, I think a seventh is the highest you get. Um, you know, it, basically if, if there's a team out there like a Minnesota, like a Cleveland, um, that, I mean, I know Minnesota's 0-2, but obviously they have playoff aspiration. If there's a playoff team aspiration that's willing to give up a seventh for essentially a rental, because in the last year of his deal, and we know how running back contracts work, I think a team will give up a seventh. If no one's willing to take on a rookie running back, or not rookie, or running back on their last deal, I think the Rams will really have to just release him, and he'll kind of go for for a team for a, a minimum contract of, you know, maybe a one- to two-year deal somewhere else uh, where he can hopefully grow and blossom, but... Crazy how this all unfolded. So, yeah. um, but no longer.
1: So, so in our uh, preview of this game, I said that uh, Aaron Donald should have a huge game. That uh, Aaron Donald needed to have a statement game. He had one. Pre- he had one pressure, I believe. Um, so I, I went. I went back and looked at uh, his recent games with the 49ers. One sack in the last eight uh, games against the Forty In Yeah. His first five games, he had nine and a half sacks against yeah. the 49ers. He had a four sack game.
0: Um, so to his, to his credit and it's almost every play is getting triple team. So to his credit, yeah. he's more of a decoy than actually a, a factor in that, in that regard or a stat factor.
1: I, I, I will, I will never take anything away from uh, the, man, <laughs> the man, the man, yes. the myth the legend. Uh, but I will say that it is, it, it's kind of impressive how the the 49ers have figured out some, some way to neutralize them and and keep the rest of the pass rush at bay. Um, Yeah. But
0: uh, it's the only team that's been able to do it, I think. I think so,
1: which is, yeah, (laughs) which is crazy. Um, That's probably not a great place to end, but (laughs) I just, I just thought that was a a fascinating uh,
0: set, set of stats there. Yeah. It was interesting that he, yeah, not on the stat sheet really for anything, but you know, did think obviously he's, he's more of a, you know, give the opportunities for others to make plays. And I thought, you know, Kobe Turner played fairly well. I thought, um, Byron Young played well, you know, I know they didn't get high in the sack category, but they, I thought overall the front seven played pretty well. Ernest Jones led the team again in tackles with 10, uh, Sean McVay just loves Ernest Jones talks about his leadership and what he's able to do. So, I mean, that's a huge, you know, factor going forward. So, um, Oh, yeah. yeah and and the defensive line was probably my
1: biggest worry uh just because there was there's no uh solid starting you know front seven necessarily yeah and they're really yeah. proven they're really proving themselves hey, they're not they
0: Co- coach Henny at it again coach henny at it again
1: they're they're coach not setting the world on up. fire but they're they're doing enough
0: cool, so I got three final thoughts. And then you can give your final thought and we'll wrap this thing up. This is the Ram skinny with skinny T. I'm Ryan Dyer. Three final thoughts, two quick ones. One Thomas Brown's with the Panthers confirmed. Yes. So there's that two coach McVay head coach of the year odds. Plus 2,100 folks go get your bets. BetOnline.ag. Those are there's some good odds. And I really think if this team can even win eight games, has got to be a lock for that. If they make the playoffs; it's done. He's winning coach of the year, in my opinion. So go put some some shekels on that plus twenty one hundred. And then final thought: we haven't really talked too much about the offensive line. I know Safford threw the ball fifty five times. Talk about the running game, but only giving up one sack to this arguably best defensive front and football you could say for sure top three i think you got to look at the niners look at the cowboys probably the commanders are up there uh in terms of defensive fronts but they're they're for sure top five unarguable one sack i haven't looked at the all the pressures you probably have maybe that in front of you i don't know if you do but and joe Nopum who's played very well actually at guard and is to to start so far goes out injured um, I believe it's a a knee bruise, a deep knee bruise. So shoulder. Um, shouldn't shoulder, thank you. So shouldn't miss too much time, may miss one game, but they're hoping he'll back by next game. But Tremaine Ankrin comes in and doesn't really miss a beat. And so this is really a testament to Ryan Wendell. You know, they've had some tutelage from the great Mike Munchak and this this unit buying in and becoming cohesive very quickly because not only was the starting five good, but then you actually now have some depth able to come in and spell too. And remember Brian Allen was a starter last year and here's your depth center. So Coleman Shelton's played fantastic. He's a much bigger bullying center than Brian, uh, Brian Allen was, but the fact that you have a starter as your backup, I mean, there's just some good depth on this offensive line, which is so good to see after what we saw last year. So hats off the offensive line, only one sack against the Niners. That's my final takeaway of this game. You
1: yeah, know, I think, I think you tied that up nicely. I think that, that this offensive line, deserves a lot of credit. And, um, you know, if you think about it, you know, heading back into the off season, it's like, everybody's kind of thinking it's Rob Havenstein and somebody and a, bunch, and a bunch of other people. I don't know. Um, and these bunch of other peoples are proving to be really fantastic pieces. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, the thing to keep in mind is that the, McVeigh offense or the McVay teams always start really hot. Yeah. They come in there. They have a bit of a slump kind of getting, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving time. Um, So that's, you know, I, I, you know, I keep saying like that we're learning about this team every week. And I Mm -hmm. think this, this team is changing every week. Um, Sometimes things are getting better. Sometimes things are getting worse. Like I think in that first game, the secondary played lights out. And I think they took a little step back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, in terms of uh, injury news, we're we're hearing basically everybody's healthy. Everybody's kind of ready to go. And, and they're not really being super cautious with Puka Nakua, which I thought they should be. But, um, you know, Cooper Cup is set to come back uh, kind of within that uh, fifth week, uh, four-week window after IR. So, um, you know, I think that, there's we're st- this this team is still churning and evolving and learning and that and that's to be expected because they are so so young um, but they're what what's proving to be true about this uh, this front office this team in general uh, is their scouting abil- scouting ability finding smart players finding players that are just just uh, they're just soaking it all up and yeah. that's. And it's kind of amazing. And it it's it it's what you wanna see. It's what's it's what's a what's a lot of fun to see. Because, um, you know, I'm always rooting for the the late round draft picks and we're seeing a lot of them step up. So those exactly. are my final takeaways.
0: There you go. Love it. Exciting stuff. Rams fall, but hey, it didn't feel like a a losing episode because I think there's just so much excitement about this team and this Rams team in general. You know, you look at the other side, the Chargers 0-2 with all this firepower and it's, it's doom and gloom in Chargers land. You know, I was in a a Twitter space last night at Chargers Twitter and it's a lot of upset fans and the Rams are one-on-one and it's all about how good can this team be with all these young guys? There's a lot of excitement. And I think that's a testament to this, this staff and to these players for really buying in. So But that's all the time we got here on the Rams, Skinny. We'll be back uh, Thursday or Friday for our preview of the Bengals on primetime Monday night football. Monday night
1: football, baby.
0: Big one, baby. And maybe no Joe Burrow. We'll see. I like the Rams, but, hey, we'll get all into it later in the week for our preview for Skinny T. I'm Ryan Dyer. Thanks all for hanging out with us. Ramley, everyone be well, be safe. Talk to you soon.